Welcome to She's Called and Confident, a Christian woman's empowerment podcast helping women step into their calling full of confidence and knowing who they are and what they are destined to do. Are you ready to stop living your life on autopilot and giving your time and energy to things that don't satisfy you? You have a burning desire inside of you and the longer you try to ignore it, the stronger it gets. You know it's time to take action towards your dreams and calling, but you wonder, is this really from God or is it just me? What if I put myself out there and I fail? Or my gosh, what if it works? I'm your host, Yolanda King, a mom, wife, entrepreneur, and empowerment social worker. I'm obsessed with helping you conquer your fears and move past stuck so you can live out your calling with success while expanding God's kingdom. Each week, I will share with you my hard-learned lessons in ministry leadership, money stewardship, career calling, and yes, of course, business building tips. But this is more than just a podcast. It is a community, a sisterhood, where we share inspiring stories and strategies to help be the woman God created us to be while living our best life. So are you ready? I know you are. Let's do this. So ladies, I want to, first of all, tell you how excited I am. I feel like I tell you every single podcast episode, but truly, as soon as I received the email, you, I wish there was a camera would have captured my reaction. <laughs> <laughs> Serious. Well, I hope we can live up to that. <laughs> yeah, the following guest is none other than the She Works His Ways founders, Michelle and Summer. And so I just want to personally welcome to the She's Called and Confident podcast. I'm so honored you are here. Thank oh, you. Thanks for having so us. Already. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So we're going to get into the meat of a lot of good stuff and especially the fact that you guys just launched your new book. But before we do that, I want to ask an icebreaker question. If you were stuck in an island and could only take three things, what three things would you take? I mean, I'm sure that this is going to show that I have no survival skills, but I think that I would take like the Bible and then two other books because I am that nerdy. And I think that I would, I mean, I feel like I'd have to figure it out, all of the other survival stuff. But if I, oh, wait, <laughs> hang on. Nope, I'm changing my mind. I want a Bible. I want a notebook that's like, doesn't run out of paper Ooh. and a pen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. That doesn't run out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Probably means I need an iPad. But <laughs> it's probably what those are so easy. You know what my my mind went straight to? What does this tell you? I, I thought of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to be without that. Um no, I think the 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 Bible, but then I would need music. So I would need I don't know if that would count as two different things, like the download of the music and the player of what the music like we're gonna play the music through, but I, I don't know that I can live my life without music. That would be hard. So let's start off with um, each of you. Tell me a little bit about your career background and really how God paved the way for you guys to be here today um, because it's, it's a calling, you know what I mean? It, mm -hmm. it, it's a calling and like every calling, there's ups, downs, the story behind that. And that's one of the things that I love. Um, how did God bring you guys to this? Oh yeah, this could be, this could be the entire podcast right here, these stories. Um, so for me, I started working when I was 15 years old and that first taste of freedom, that first 
maybe it was the paycheck. Actually, it wasn't. It was the first day that I had like the keys. It was a tanning bed of all places. But um, I like locked up, got in my car and drove home. Actually, I was picked up because I was only 15. My mom picks me up. But I just felt this like ownership and I loved it. And I really haven't stopped working since then. I have worked since I was 15 years old. I've always loved it. I felt called to work. I've worked in the secular workplace and not until just recently did I work in ministry full time. So I've had a lot of jobs from fashion to fitness to I was in a bank at one point, um, an environmental science lab at one point, very odd things for me to do. But I love new challenges. And so I've, I've done a lot. So then um, where we are now, She Works His Way is seven or eight years old. And um, it has been my most surprising, but most rewarding calling on my life. And I'm sure we'll get into more so we could talk about She Works His Way for days. But it has been the way that the Lord has surprised me in my life the most. Um, And I think that it was born out of all of the years of working from age 15 until where we were in the last decade of just realizing how much I needed this in my life, how compartmentalized my work was from my faith and why that was causing such a deep, deep tension. So for me, the career background is is there and I'm grateful for it. And in every single job and role that I've had, I have picked something up that has brought me to the place where I am now with She Works His Way, where I can very much relate. I've had jobs that I love that filled me up that I couldn't wait to get there. And I've had jobs that I cried the whole way to work. I have cried in all the office bathrooms, I have cheered. And so there's just something really beautiful now looking back on what the Lord was preparing me for, which is is where I'm at now and is really serving primarily my local church and she works his way. And then um, a few like one-off things when the Lord leads, but that's how I'm here. Isn't it beautiful how sometimes like we're going through the trenches and the gutter and you're like, Oh, like, I'm just, I want to be out of this position already. I've, I've yeah. had three years where I'm like, I just want to be out. Like, God, I'm mm-hmm. not here. I just want to be out. But yeah. God uses all those experiences to, for a strategic purpose. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful. I know that we can't always see the good or the purpose in something that we walked through, but in the one area of my life of work, um, it has been so beautiful because God has shown me, I can look back at every single thing I was in and go, that makes sense. Whether it was relationships, Michelle and I met in a different business. That's how Michelle and I met through different jobs than we have here. Um, So it has all driven us to this one place. And I'm so grateful that we can look back and actually have those answers. Mm-hmm. I think my story is very similar in the fact that now I look back and I think about circumstances that I viewed at the time as a setback that now I look at and I see God's hand in what he was doing. So I, soon as I got out of college, my first job was in pharmaceutical sales and I did love many aspects of it. But before I got into pharmaceutical sales in college, I was a personal trainer and a group fitness instructor to support myself through school. And I found that I didn't love the reactive part of medicine, but I also felt a financial responsibility and a little bit of a stubbornness to like stick Mm -hmm. with it. I was also major fighting a call to ministry that I had like God had called me to ministry very clearly when I was in the seventh grade. Now as a seventh grader, I had no idea what that meant, but I was definitely 
running from God in that. And there was a corporate reshuffle at the company that I was with. And so I was reallocated to a different location or given the option of a severance package. And so I took the severance package, which is what ended me up in seminary because I was tired of running. And so I was like, I'm going to go and just see if I can dig into a master's degree at seminary and figure out what, what this call to ministry means and what God wants for my life. And it was there that I met my husband, James and Summer. We, we, <laughs> yeah. we, we met there briefly. Her dad was actually my boss. So I worked in the admissions office at seminary and really was in seminary and ended up after seminary. Nobody, I don't think anybody has the story, but I ended up in network marketing. That is not what everybody goes and gets a master's <laughs> in theology for so that you can hop into network marketing. Um, but I remember we had been meeting because um, we're, we'll dig in, I guess, talk about it now, but she works his way. Didn't start as what it is today. It started as four friends, summer being one, our friends, Liz and Emily as the other four meeting on, on Google hangout. And it exists for the same reason now that it did then of, we want to dig into God's word and we want to have real conversations about what he's saying and how that applies to our lives It uh, in all areas where he's called us. Um, but I remember they kind of bullied me into starting an Instagram account, like yep. lovingly, lovingly pushed me in, <laughs> in uh, but it was a moment where I told my husband, I was telling him like, I, I think that we're going to take this meeting that we've been having and we're going to invite more women into the conversation. What do you think about that? And he looks at me and he goes, I think your theology degree and the seven years in network marketing are finally starting to make sense, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And so you, you look at it now and I can look back and I can see only God's hand and God's goodness, but there was a lot of up and down and scary and submissive steps of, I, I went and I got this for, spent four years getting a master's degree so that I can do a job that I didn't even need an undergrad for, you know, <laughs> like it, there were so many things that didn't make sense, but God was definitely orchestrating every step. Since the time that you were revealed that you were going to be into ministry, you were in mm -hmm. seventh grade. Mm -hmm. And when did you actually step into ministry? I mean, I know now that there's a, I've been in ministry every place that I've ever been. I, I think that a ministry can be done anywhere that a believer goes. And so what I knew is that God was calling me vocationally into ministry. No, but if you think about it, where my doubt started creeping in was it was whispers from the enemy because, you know, think about the temptation of Eve in the garden and what Satan said when he came to her is he said, did God really say, and then he put in a little twisted version. And so I started getting my own version of that when I was in college. It was like, I mean, did, did you really hear God tell you that you're called to ministry? I mean, you were 13. Mm -hmm. Did you, did you really hear that? And so I insecurity and let all of those things kind of go into, I need to follow the plan that I'm supposed to be, which is you go to college and you get a good, get a degree. And then after you get a degree, then you get a job. And when you get like, I was going through all of the steps of what I thought was expected of me. And it goes back to something that we address uh, very clearly in the beginning of the new book that we just wrote about how many times we go through life trying to be everything that God has called us to be 
and what the world expects us to be. And we mistakenly call that balance, but that's not balance, that's bondage, quoting Summer Phoebus right now. <laughs> um, but that, that truly was the tension that I was living in, is I wanted to be everything that God wanted me to be, but I was also trying to be everything that I thought everyone else expected me to be. And I was exhausted and failing at both. I just turned to the page where you literally did that quote, um, and we have some exciting announcement at the end of the podcast. So you definitely have to stay at the end to hear the announcements. But I, I love this one. Better life balance is not the solution. Order is. We were divinely designed to put God first. And I'm like, oh, like that hit me so good in all the good places. And one of the things that I, from looking at your guys' brand, from hearing your story of the very beginning, a couple of things, you know, stood out to me. Sometimes God's strategy is not the the whole, the way the world would do marketing, the way the world would do certain things, right? Because yeah. here you guys have a, a specific message, the gospel, discipleship, mm -hmm. working woman, mm -hmm. the order of the hierarchy of putting God first, your family first, work for it's not the sexiest message out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but it's the right biblical message. And therefore, like this ministry is just being blessed and grown and and i and i love how reading throughout the the your story how god continues to add more mm -hmm. continues to reach out more women and mm -hmm. so the gospel truly changes everything including your work and i love to hear from each of you what do you think should be the most noticeable difference about christians nowadays in the workforce oh i'm so excited to answer this one um I, it's it's got to be love. It's got to be love. I mean, love is the foundation for it all. God is love. God doesn't just do well at love. Like he is love. He's the definition of it. And I believe in a world that is so broken and dark that if you want to actually stand out, you will love well. And this is a message we've all heard. We hear this from secular environment. But in hope, our love comes from this hope. It's not a human love. It's not something we muster up. It's not smiling enough or, or serving enough or being enough for somebody else. It is an overflow of, of what God is doing in our lives. That kind of love changes people. That kind of love is a magnet to people. It draws people in. So yes, good moral people love well. They're good people on this earth. But that human love has a limit. Whereas the love that we have that God puts inside of us that we can't help but just ooze out of our eyes and our ears because we love him so much, it will impact everything. You want to change the culture at your workplace? You don't have to be the leader. You want to change the attitudes of your kids? You don't have to just discipline all day every day. When you love from that overflow, it changes everything. It softens the atmosphere, the experience. And it doesn't mean there won't be hard things. And it doesn't mean that there won't be sin that we have to call out in each other's lives. But it won't be the thing that we run towards. We're not running towards trying to decide what's wrong with the world. No, but we already know it's broken. Okay? It's not going to be fixed until Jesus comes back. So if we just love people through the brokenness instead of trying to put them together, because we don't have that capability. We can actually love people, not back together, but we can love people to Jesus. And then they become back together. They get put back together in the way. They're a new creation. And that's the beauty of what we get to do. And we get to do it in every single place that we show up, our workplace, our home, the coffee shop, everything. And it's this pressure that comes off of our shoulders too. 
because some of us were raised maybe thinking that, and you know what, we don't even have to be raised this way. We're, it's it's the humanness inside of us mm-hmm. to think that in order to be a good Christian, I've got to do this, 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 check the box, do this well, show up here. And when we realize that it all comes from loving God, like knowing who he is, and if you know who God is, you can't help but love him, right? If we understand that that's where it all starts, that's the order that we're referring to. It's not just God being number one on our priority list. It's God being number one in our um, affections. Hmm. Like when we love him most, he'll stay number one. And so that's all we have to focus on as believers. And we overcomplicate it. We overcomplicate it with rules and legalism and all of the things. But when it comes down to it, just have to love him so well. Love and unity are the Mm -hmm. two things that we've been given as the identifiers. You will be known as mine. And so I think if you will actually be a person who lets secondary things be secondary so that (laughs) Jesus stays primary, I think that that would be one of the biggest ways to actually show that there is something different about who we believe in because it's very easy to get distracted and this world is more divided than it ever has been. And so if some group were to get it together and actually be unified and allow secondary issues to be secondary and allow there to be discussion over differences, but like minor differences that in the huge scheme of God's world really aren't that big of a deal, I believe that the world would pay attention. Mm -hmm. And so don't divide with believers over secondary issues. If you agree on who Jesus is, then that's enough to love and to pursue unity. And if you allow a secondary difference to come in between that, then I think you can expect your witness to a lost world to not mean as much. And so if we know that the reason why we're here is to be his witnesses, then pursuing unity with one another is one of the most important things that we can do. Absolutely. Such a powerful message. Secondary differences is really does cause every single believer to shift that focus and really like the the power of of accepting and being okay with having certain differences with one another and i love how summer said like it's not like you could lovingly point out the sin Mm -hmm. you don't have to be like okay okay with it or in agreement with it but there's a certain way to correct that and i absolutely love you guys talked about the great commission inside your book Um, Mm -hmm. as one of your reasons for why we should view the workplace as the mission field. And I, I'm already getting excited as, as a missionary myself, I'm like, Ooh, yes, let's get into this. Especially because right away, you guys talked about the purpose, your purpose and, and the great commission, Matthew 28, 18 and 19. And I just want you guys to get into it. Yeah. So I have to get nerdy for just a second, but I'm not going to get too nerdy. So When we hear the Great Commission, usually the way it reads is go, therefore, and make disciples. A more accurate translation of what the Greek was actually saying there was as you go or as you are going. And so it's a complete game changer to understand that the command is to make disciples. The assumption is that because you're alive and have a heartbeat that you're going to be going. And so go doesn't merely mean to the ends of the earth that is certainly included but as you go also means as you go into your office as you go onto social media as you go into your kids school as you go to the soccer field as you go to the grocery store as you go to the mailbox with your neighbor that doesn't know the lord 
as you go, make disciples. And so then we understand that this great commission isn't something that we're supposed to do on a short-term basis or long-term basis only for certain people with the vocational calling of being a full-time missionary. But truly, making disciples is the main purpose of anywhere God puts you. It's not a sidebar. It's not a bonus. It's not a, if it happens, it's the priority. And so all other reasons of why you're there when you're a believer pale in comparison to my main mission on this earth in this life is to be his witness. And so that means in my job, I am his witness. If I get the promotion, if I don't get the promotion, if I am the person everybody in the office comes to, if I'm the last person everybody in the office comes to, it is genuinely knowing my reason for being here is not rooted in a position, it's not rooted in a title or a paycheck. It is because for some reason, for this point in time, God has ordained and placed me here to be his witness. That is why I'm showing up. And we do that every place. In a world right now where even the Christianity world is so infatuated with this terminology calling, we leave purpose out. And at the <laughs> core, at the core, every single person has the same purpose. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. To be more like Jesus, to, to, to be more like Jesus. There was a great commission that was given to all of us, right? And in order to do that, to do the great commission well, we have to live our lives and become more like Jesus every single day. That's how we are effective in the great commission, in the, in the general calling. There are individual callings on each of our lives. There are unique callings each, on each of our lives, which are, is a beautiful thing because those, those are the callings where God says, you know, when I knit you together in your mother's womb, I made you like a really good communicator or a really good writer or a really loving person or a great encourager or whatever, like whatever he did, whatever he put into us, including the weaknesses, including the, I made you an introvert, whatever that is. He put all of those into us and we, he'll take all of those and he creates this beautiful calling in our lives that can shift. It can change. Some of us, it's like Michelle was called in seventh grade and her calling has stayed the same forever and ever. And I imagine it'll be forever and ever. Amen. And others, we have callings that, that shift and that change throughout seasons of our lives, but the purpose stays the same. Sanctification, which is a big churchy word. And if you don't know what that means, it just means that it, the things that happen in your life are for a purpose and they make you more like Jesus. So sanctification can happen to you and it can be bad and it can be good. And most of the time it's hard. I can tell you that's what it has in common. And it's going, the purpose of sanctification is to make Jesus. And so as you do that, you become all of these other things. Calling becomes something, we talk about this in the book too. Um, calling is not something that I think a lot of us, we used to ask the question. We also would ask it, what is the will of God? for my life. I just want to know what God's will is for my life. Can you please help explain it? And then we shifted to that. And now we say, what is God's calling on my life? And God's calling is not something that is, is in the future. God's calling is right now, like where you are right now, the people that you're around, the places you go, the school that your kids are in, every, that right there, you are called to those places. He is showing you visibly what that is. A lot of us miss the opportunities right now and we neglect the people right now because we are looking to the future for what we're supposed to do and where we're supposed to go and it's it's so sad we've got to recognize where he has us ain't that the truth and <laughs> you wrote a chapter 
about relationships before achievements, Summer. Uh, What encouragement would you give the woman who has some success, but battles loneliness and at, at the core of it is in this mode of just constant, you know, achievement, achievement, achievement. Mm-hmm. I will tell you that achievements are easier than relationships. And that's why we default to it. Boom. And as long as you know that and understand there is work in relationships, but it is holy, good work. It is the calling. You cannot go and make disciples just with your achievements. You have to go and make disciples in relationships. As long as you can understand that, I think it's going to be easier to prioritize relationships. I would just say the pressure that we put on ourselves. Sometimes we avoid relationships because we don't think we're going to be enough. Or there are some of us that avoid relationships because we know we're going to get let down by other people. We have been saying this, and it is the weirdest motto to live your life by, but lower your expectations. (laughs) And it usually starts by lowering your expectations of others, which then helps you create grace for yourself. And you end up lowering your expectation of yourself too. And then you just show up as you are, who you are, who God's made you to be. And relationships happen organically. And they don't happen the way social media shows them. They don't happen like with girls night out and everybody needing you and all the fun and all the party relationships are messy. And if you are in a local church, relationships aren't necessarily demographically based. Like you should have good friends that are decades older than you, that are decades younger than you, that are in different walks of life that come from different backgrounds. That's the beauty in the body of believers. So We put all these limits and guardrails up on who we want to be friends with. And then it's too hard. It's too complicated. So we're like, you know what? The promotion is actually easier. (laughs) I think, I think I'm just going to be really extra productive today with my work. And then I'm going to be able to say, I'm sorry. I just didn't have time for relationships and that's not okay. It's just not okay. People are the point, the entire Mm -hmm. point of us being here. People are the point. So there has to be margin in our schedule for people so that there can be relationships. That's right. Absolutely. And one of my mentors one time told me your greatest ability is availability. Mm -hmm. Oh, Um, that's good. And I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And especially getting into ministry network marketing, the capacity to hold and, and serve a team and, and, you know, your family and your workplace and everything. Um, but I, I know, I don't think, I know that sometimes women put the time block because they're afraid to build relationships. Mm. Yep. Um, And and we already talked about the great commission. There's also the greatest commandment. And so Jesus was asked by a Pharisee, they were trying to trick him. And they said, what is the greatest commandment in all of the law? And he condensed the law to essentially love God and love others. And so if loving God and loving others is the main purpose of that, relationships are a much better funnel than achievements. And so we have to take that into consideration. And I just, we have to go here because the world doesn't affirm our roles at home enough. And I think so often we, we want a specific assignment, but we forget that our family, those are assignments from God that God gave only to us. 
And mm-hmm. so for me, I am my husband's only wife. I am my kid's only mother. Those are exclusive assignments, lifetime assignments that God gave just to me. And if you have a family, you have the same assignments, special assignments that God entrusted only to you. And we all have people beyond our family that are like that. And so we just have to remember that God's assignments often come in people form, Mm -hmm. not just in projects. They come in people form. And so look for God's assignments in people form. Assume they're going to be in people form. If love God and love others is the point of our lives, assume that more assignments are going to come to you in people form. That's so empowering too. Like just the words, I'm my husband's only wife. I'm my children's only mother. Um, and it, one time, like me and my husband were just like constantly, there was a year where we were working on our marriage so much, reading books and everything. And he made this statement that really shifted a lot inside of me and in and, and the way I view um, love. And he said, love is not an emotion. Love is a responsibility and a choice. Mm-hmm. And it's true. We're not always going to feel it, but just as much as Jesus pointed out the importance of love, uh, that it's the greatest ab- above all that we should love our neighbor as ourselves, um, making that your whole responsibility instead of when you feel it, because we're mm-hmm. not always going to feel. That's right. Man. So good. Okay. So the book is for working women. Mm-hmm. including the women who don't get a paycheck for their work. Just to be abundantly clear, <laughs> talk a little bit about who all working women includes. Sure. So we redefine work in the book uh, because often we gravitate towards thinking that work is something that we get compensated for or something that requires us to go into a building with a title and with certain task list. And certainly that is part of it. But Work is anything that a believer does submitted to God for him to use for his glory. And so effort is what is related to work. And so often we can put all of our effort in the thing that we get compensated for. And then we get frustrated with things like relationship and home. Don't just run on autopilot. But the truth is it requires our effort. Loving God and loving others, that takes ambition. That takes intentionality. It takes focus. And so when we talk about work, working his way, what we mean is I want my life to count for the gospel. I want to go into every place that he puts me, every role that he gives me, understanding that I am here to show up. That's it. It's not show off, not be awesome, but I am here to show up for him to use. And that's it. Amen. Amen. Writing it on the tablets of our hearts and our forehead and everywhere, right? That's right. (laughs) I think that's the thing that can definitely hold us back is when we are trying to decide what it is that God wants from us. We are people who like to organize. And I, I mentioned it at the beginning. We like to compartmentalize. And so our work is here. Our home life is here. Our church life is here. Um, our personal faith is over here. And everything is so separate. But when we understand that order, God first, everything else underneath it, then we, it's, it's easy to redefine work. It's easy to understand that everything we do is for the gospel, is for the glory. And then we walk through it. And it's also way less complicated, way less complicated. It's a much simpler way to view your life and your day to be able to walk from thing to thing. Cause all of us will do that. We will all have to jump from, from family to work to other things. And I think when, 
we were taught boundaries so much, like put, like put the wall up here, put the wall up here, but that's just not realistic. Like we are humans. We are, we are one person. So there are times where things are going to get muddy and they're going to mesh together and you're going to have to love your kids and answer an email. And that's okay. That's okay. As long as God is first, then all the rest of the things will be what they're supposed to be. You don't have to in your head go, Oh, did I give too much time there? Did I give too much time there? It, it holds us back. Man, so good. So as we're coming to a close, I I want you to talk to me a little bit about really the heart behind this book. The what do you want people to get? If you could sum it up. I just want them to feel free. Mm-hmm. I just want a woman to open this book and to read it. And we say something that she works his way. Um, it's a like a shoulder drop happens, like this big exhale, and everybody just like. We just calm down for a second and we understand that God has gone before us. He has us. It's going to be okay. And that the way that we're supposed to live our lives is surrendered effort. Michelle writes about that. And she has a chart in the book that is just the best visual. It's absolutely amazing. But just understanding what that looks like, it's going to cause you to lower your shoulders. It's going to cause you it's going to give you a big, deep exhale. And you're going to be able to just walk in the spirit. Like Galatians five tells us just walking in the spirit, doing all of the things that God has asked you to do to the best of your abilities, but really to the best of your ability through the power that is inside of you. So it's just not on you. It's not on you. You don't have to do enough, be enough, show up enough. You can have a busy schedule. You can have an empty schedule. It doesn't, all of the circumstances don't matter. It's the way that you can move through it. And it's all about the, the order in which we do it that just allows you to find that freedom. And I think the world is loud and there's lots of lies that culture feeds us. And there's some of the lies that are blatant and they're very easy to identify. But then there's other ones that are really sneaky. They are super well-dressed, they are socially accepted, and they are a version of God's truth that has been twisted just enough to make it more about us than it makes it about God. And those are the topics that we wanted to talk about in this book, is this is the little twist that culture is given. This is the gospel cost of that twist. This is what God's word actually says, and because this is what his word says, this is what we do. And then we end every chapter with a prayer because we really do want this book to read like a conversation. So it's a conversation that you start with us and then you end it going into a conversation with God. And then we pray that it leads you into conversations with other women because these tensions, the tension doesn't go away, but they feel less tense when -hmm. you talk about them. Mm -hmm. And so they're not as intimidating when they're discussed, especially when you take the twisted version and then you actually compare it to what God's word actually says. You're like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's actually not very intriguing at all. And so, yeah. And so that's the conversation that we would love to have with you inside these pages. I love it. And just to point out, to have this really quick, short conversation, I believe God is calling out women to shift the lens of, of the lie the way it's manipulated and focus on ourselves and disguised really good, like with biblical stuff to shifting it back on him. And they're going through this tug of how, what is this shifting mean? And I think it's the most beautiful thing 
Um, and I, I felt this in the spirit and I felt it very strongly that there's going to be like this generation of women just rising up to really shifting it to what matters most. And I, I love that how I, I said that because that's what you guys talk about. That's what this book is all about. And um, it's no coincidence that, that you guys are here. And I, I just want to say for those women who feel there's something shifting deep with inside you where you want nothing but just Jesus, you want nothing but just glorifies him. You're like, how do I, how do I do this? How do I start? I'm all in this time. I'm all in. I'm re- I'm willing to surrender my household, my finances, my thoughts, my actions, my business to your will. God, I want you to go follow. First of all, she works his way. Um, but we also have a beautiful surprise for you. Um, she works his way team graciously provided two books for the, she's called and confident audience. And so but but you have to enter in to win these books. So this is what I'm going to do. I want you to go follow She Works His Way on Instagram. Make sure you follow She's Called and Confident on Instagram. Screenshot this and tag both of us, letting us know what has been your biggest takeaway. And I will be doing a drawing and it's going to be exciting. And I believe that the book's going to ha- uh, land on the lady that are meant to and are ready to go all in and work for his honor and glory. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's Love awesome. It. Yes. Awesome. So I want to leave with one last question. What does confidence mean to you? Confidence to me means my belief in God because he is unchanging. He is unwavering. He does not change. Nothing catches him off guard. He is in full control. And so when I think about confidence, I just think about his track record. He is always faithful. He keeps his promises. And when my confidence is in him, then it can't be shaken. Everything else can. My ability, who I am, anything secondary, that can all shift and that can all change and that can go away like a vapor, but he doesn't. And so confidence to me just means what he can do. Yeah. I would say same, Um, but I would add to that in order to get to that place, because that's a beautiful place. We have got to take time to know who God is. You cannot be confident in something you don't know. So I don't want anybody else to tell me. I don't want anyone else to even necessarily show me. I want to know for myself and the best way for me to know is for me to go all in and really study who God is and get to know him better every single day. And that's going to build this confidence in me, in this God that is all of the things that Michelle just mentioned. Powerful stuff. So I'm going to put the, the link to the book and all the information in the show notes for you to have. Please go visit She Works His Way. Um, if you're not familiar with them, wonderful, powerful brand all representing God's honor and glory and doing his work. As always, I believe in you, but most importantly, God believes in you. Talk to you soon. Bye.